Thank you for listening to Marketing Minds, episode 11. Today, I'm joined by Ali Rector. She is a uh, historic senior copywriter. Um, she's worked with all sorts of businesses, um, helping with internal growth, copywriter alignment, and overall brand voice um, for companies all over the all over the world. So, uh, Ali, thank you for joining. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank <laughs> you. Great to have you on today. So, the first question I always ask everybody that I bring on—it's um, a great way to open up—is um, how did you get into marketing? What a whirlwind! Um, I pretty much just threw myself outside of university after having a philosophy degree and not really understanding what I wanted to do with that. So I just started writing out my woes on Facebook in the form of short stories. And people started saying, hey, you know what? You're kind of funny and you're really entertaining to just listen to when you write. And so uh, you should do something with that. And I was like, maybe I should. So I started looking around. I found out what copywriting was. And I was like, you know what? I think this is this is a direction that I want to go. So I really just buckled down with it. I started studying everything about it. And then I got obsessed. I was like, this is exactly where I need to be. And um, before I knew it, I got a LinkedIn DM from none other than Chase mm. Diamond. And he was like, hey, I'm, you know, I've got this agency. We've got these cool things going on. I'd love to have you uh, on our team. And uh, if you're up for it, I'd like to see if you could do like this, you know, work assignment and and send it back like a test. And I was like, Ugh, I don't <laughs> want to do that. But <laughs> also, I really love what you're doing. And so I'll, I'll do some free work. No problem. So I did the assignment. I had so much fun with it. it. I mean, who doesn't love email copy? Well, some people probably don't, but I love it. And I didn't hear anything back for like a week. I, I thought I was totally ghosted. And um, my ego was a little bruised and I was just feeling uh, a little bit slighted. And I sent him a message like just saying, oh, how, dare no. you? <laughs> how dare you waste my time? I was like so excited to connect with him. And so to just not hear anything back, I was like, oh, what the heck? So I then get a message from him later, like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm a new dad. And you know, there's all these things going on, but I'd still really love to connect you with the rest of my team. And I, you know, it ended up just being such a hilarious entry into the the world of structure, just being this scrappy copywriter into entering into the land of, of, of structured. And, and so fast forward three years later, I am, I I'm still with them. I'm, I'm actually getting ready to do other things now, but, uh, there's just been a lot of learnings and amazing growth in between that. Um, and here I am. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, thankfully, um, a mutual friend of ours, Zeb Perky, who was on the podcast previously introed, us. Um, how did you meet Zeb and what was your kind of prior relationship like? Uh, lo love a good Zeb moment on any call, by the way. If you have the pleasure of being on any sort of client-facing call, he's just got this 
charm and just um, it, it's just like enchanting uh, just talking to Zeb uh, in, in many ways. And um, he, he got brought on to Structured not too long after I did. And just being able to collaborate with him on brands was just so much fun, just both like in the collaboration portion of working on the brand, but also just internally, you know, with with growth and different things happening, he's just uh, an A plus person all around. Not that this is necessarily supposed to be a testimonial to him, but it I can't help it naturally falls under that anyway. But yeah, just working with him, a lot of fun. He is a, a person that shows up to work with just that instant infectious energy uh, and you, you just want to get more of it every Seb day, just so. got the a most amazing shout out uh, he's gonna love listening to this later so not, nice on that one I'm sure <laughs> yeah yeah he'll be blowing up our DMs after this um, awesome well you know that's really cool I just you know wanted to get some more history about y'all's relationship and how that how that was formed so you know I, I've heard uh, amazing things uh, about you know the work that you've done and um, you know, the things that, you know, structured as a whole is, you know, really a, a leader in the agency space um, and, and has really established themselves as a trusted resource for brands all over the world. You know, leaning specifically, I guess, into the, you know, copywriting side of structured and, you know, you've been with them for almost three years now. Um, I imagine it's a very different business than it was when you joined and a lot of things have changed. What has that been like? Um, you know, where, where was structured at, you know, struct <laughs> structurally whenever you joined and, you know, where are they at now? Mm -hmm. And what has it been like going through that shift? Wow. That's just, uh, everything encapsulated and just, uh, there's no, there's no one way, easy way to say it. So I'll just kind of, uh, think it out real quick, but the, I actually got hired on when it was still boundless. So it was Chase's, um, agency boundless that it then got acquired very quickly, like within a month of me working with them, um, into structured. And I think I was maybe, I don't know, the 20 or 30th person to get hired on into the agency. And now there's like over 150 people there. And, and, you know, that's probably on the low end. Um, and I just remember when we had, you know, X amount of brands. And now it's literally like easily 300% of that. Um, and that process has just been everything from like, you know, I think naturally when something is a lot more lean, you have the opportunity to really connect with individual people. You get to dive a lot deeper with, with your brands and get to, you know, um, just have these like face-to-face -face interactions. And that's not to say that it doesn't happen now. It just happens a lot, uh, a lot differently. There's a lot more structure to structured, um, which uh, can be an amazing thing. And, but the, I, I guess the main difference is just the, um, just keeping up hmm. with the amount of people that are involved now versus before. It's like, I could just, I didn't even have to think. I just knew who to reach out to before. And now it's like, wait a minute, this is a, there, there's a specific role for this now where maybe a couple of people were right. doing it before. And like, this is the person I have to reach out to. Um, so that's, that's been the biggest, um, yeah. high level. I cool. Think. Interesting. Well, you know, specifically as it refers to your team, right? Like currently you, you're a senior copywriter, right? And, you know, was that, from the jump, like, were you senior copywriter coming right in? And, you know, 
either way, how has your, you know, in your close team changed over the, over the years? And like, what is your relationship with the team? Um, and, and how do you fit into that, you know, ever growing puzzle? Oh, well, you're just going to get a, a bunch of viewers and it's going to be yeah, they're gonna the coffee this. team from this one. But uh, I, I've had such an amazing relationship with the coffee team, mainly because I, you know, three quarters of them I hired and I got to decide, you know, like this is, I know this is, you know, the person for the job. Right. Um, and we each have all had an amazing role together, but I'll back up for a second and say, no, I was not a senior copywriter at first. I just jumped in as this mid-level copywriter within, you know, months or less, they were like, do you, do you want to take on the senior position? And then within months of that, they were like, do you want to take on this lead role? Um, and so I was like, <laughs> absolutely. I freaking love what I'm doing here. I'm obsessed with it. And so I got to take on all these projects and really get to know each of the individual copywriters, um, what brands they work best with, what, what their niche was, what um, just overall that leadership role looked like. And, um, through all of that, I'd say, um, and I know that Nick Shackleford can speak to this uh, is that I have gone up to bat for that team so much just in the years of just making sure that they had the tools and the empowerment and the resources that they need to keep building as writers. Because when you decide and you sign up for the agency life, right, that comes with sometimes a lot of things that maybe you mm -hmm. didn't anticipate or a lot of movement a lot of change. And so just getting to be that advocate for them and then watching them grow and like just really take off in their own lane has just been like the experience of a lifetime. Um, if I were to like wrap my experience up and just say, what was the best part? I mean, obviously it'd be very hard to choose, but at the same time, the copy team has got my heart for life. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe I didn't answer that fully, but I, I think that that's just where I naturally want. I mean, to that's great. To. That was a wonderful answer. Um, I want to pull back a little bit and get a, a little bit more, background on you on you and go a little bit deeper into some of the things you said before so you said that you uh got a philosophy degree correct and you know what what mm -hmm. early on you know pre-college what led you to pursue a philosophy degree what were your what were your your lofty plans you know what was what was young Allie's brain thinking then Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I was always a, a troubled <laughs> youth. No, I'm just Weren't kidding. we all? Um, I grew up in Texas. <laughs> yeah, aren't we all? Um, I grew up in Texas and I, you know, I have my mixed feelings about the experience, but I decided that, you know, I think that the thinking is just a bit too boxed in for me here. And I want to find, I just want to find something. And I ended up going to school in Montreal, Canada, where they speak French. I mean, my school yeah. is English, but you know, still big change for just this little Texan. And I showed up there and I just realized there were so many different cultures, so many different ways of thinking. And I just realized like the contrast mm. of it all was like, I went from very conservative ideals to very progressive and I just thought of all the things in between that of like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What does it all mean? Um, and I just kept going back to that. And then hilariously, my 
counselor at my university was like, you know, you have to pick a major, right? Like you can't just keep taking random things. And I was the first person in my um, family to go to college. So I was like, I am ashamed to admit I'm years into my university experience. I have no idea what Mm -hmm. picking a major means. I still don't know how I got that far, but here we are. Um, And so when I was looking through all the different things, I just realized, well, the same thought path that I'm on of like, what does it all mean kind of fits with philosophy, right? So I joined the uh, the weirdos over in the philosophy department and they fit right in. And um, uh, that's that's Mm -hmm. pretty much that. And I think when I think about the bigger project in mind of like, past copywriting, past all of the, what I'm doing now, I, I really want to deepen into an inquiry on like the process of dehumanization, which I haven't fully flushed out, but just this idea of like, what are the things in our lives that exist that dehumanize us? And what are the things in our lives that mm-hmm. rehumanize us? Um, maybe a quick example would be like, I feel like people on the street when they're pedestrians treat themselves uh, in a certain way versus when someone's in a car treating someone else in a car in a certain mm-hmm. way. What, what is it about being in a car that makes it mm-hmm. so much more hostile? Um, and just like getting into that type of stuff. So anyway, if you were to relate that into copyright, I have <laughs> no idea how you would. But uh, I'm just trusting the universe yeah. to guide me in, in whatever direction yeah. it will be. But yeah, I think that's the uh Yeah, it's interesting. You know, so so leaving Texas in search of deeper meaning and exploring other cultures and, and um, ideologies. Right. And then ultimately landing on the philosophy path of, you know, continue basically continuing your pursuit of, you know, meaning, what is life's meaning? What is the purpose? What, you know, why do I exist? What am I doing? Do you feel like you found the answer or are you still looking? No. And for anyone listening, if you ever think that you are going to go to a philosophy class or decide to get a degree like the psychopath I was and get an answer out of anything, you are sorely mistaken. You will only leave with more questions. And I will double down on that any day. You just you just get more questions. So I just made it worse. <laughs> yeah. Just pulling that thread and you realize it's a way bigger uh, pile than you planned for. <laughs> um. So I actually find that there's a lot of overlap, you know, um, psychology, philosophy, you know, those are not intuitively connected to marketing, but I often find there's a lot of people that have degrees in those fields that end up in marketing. Why do you feel that, you know, that connection is so common? I think marketing in itself is just, it's just human connection and figuring out how do I connect with other humans in a way that also kind of pushes this um, agenda for better or worse, right? But I, I have this thing that I want to help you with, or I want to do for you or whatever. How do I fundamentally understand how to connect with you. And I think psychologically, you have to know what's happening there. And then philosophically asking some sort of deeper questions ethically or like whatever is involved there. So I think that it's all interconnected because at the end of the day, when you, when you remove the screens, when you re- remove the writing or the ads or whatever, you're just with 
that person face to face. I don't know why I got such a deja vu moment, by the way. So um, maybe maybe something's happening out in the. It's uh-huh. a little woo woo moment for me, but it's yeah, good. it's great. You know, I think it's a wonderful way to explain it. You know, I think that is the core of marketing: is it's people communicating with people, and it doesn't matter what the medium is or the format or whether we're using the internet or billboards or talking with somebody on the phone, right? That's ultimately marketing is just humans communicating with each other. So I think all of these degrees or even, you know, non-college based like verticals of education that are core to human understanding and human communication, I think, you know, it's a, it's a huge connective tissue. Um, And there's not a lot of careers outside of, you know, mental health and, and things like that, that really leverage those things, um, in an active way, right? There's a lot that you can do with those types of degrees that are theoretical or research papers or whatever. And they don't really have a lot of impact in the day-to-day lives of, of the real world. Um, and I feel like marketing is one of those few areas where there's just so much overlap between real world action of where those things are happening and, you know, that, that theory and, you know, human connection, um, you know, education actually being put into play. So, um, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Um, going back a little less deep, let's get a, a little more surface level back to the real world of copywriting. Um, I think, you know, you have presented your, writing style online as very, you know, screw all the rules, right? You break all the typical rules that you see um, social media marketers follow about formatting and spacing and just how to, when do you capitalize when you don't, you know, all that stuff, you've broken it, right? Um, And I imagine that bleeds through in a lot of your copy and other places as well. How did that play out? Um, you know, earlier in life, before you were officially a copywriter, you know, um, school papers, research reports, all of that. Do you feel like you drew within the lines or have you always, you know, been a rule breaker in that regard? Oh, I think that that's such a good question. The, I think I always played within the lines as a kid, but I wanted to play outside the lines, but I was such I was such a good kid. I didn't sneak out. I didn't lie. I didn't do anything that like the other kids were doing because I just trusted whatever mm-hmm. the adults were telling me. Um, plot, not plot twist, um, just a uh, spoiler alert. It, uh, <laughs> it That ended up just being not the move, right? We all find out as we get older that they, not everything that we were told ends up working out for us if we follow the rules. And so I just got a lot louder about that as I got older and, um, just being like, you know what, I, I followed the rules. I'm, I'm the result of when you follow the rules and, and like, it just, it didn't, you know, I, I ended up, you know, needing therapy, (laughs) LOL. Um, and so you're just like, okay, let's talk about this because it's, it's the real deal. And it's funny you mentioned like the, um, the mm-hmm. posting structure and like the way that I don't really follow all these conventions. Cause I was on a, um, I feel very like just put together for saying this, but I was on a walk this morning listening to Brene Brown and, you know, just like listening to her interview this uh, other podcaster who talked about, 
you know, this person or just embracing the illogical and this person basically finding out that the fastest mile ever ran in the last 2000 years uh, was over four minutes. Nobody could get under four minutes. And this guy was just like, who cares? I'm going to do it. And he did it. And then other people did it. Right. Um, And so I think it's very relevant to the conversation and the question, such a great question that you asked of just like, why do I do that? Or, Or just like, what, what is the thinking behind that? And I really think that it's just about being nauseatingly mm-hmm. yourself and just sticking to it and trusting the process, right? Like, and I can't, you know, I won't have an end story of that of like, and now I have <laughs> a million followers or anything, but it's like, but I'm doing what feels good to me. And that is more fulfilling than anything um, I could relate to. And if it meant that I had to be less of me, to have more of something else, I wouldn't yeah. I think I'd do it. That's a really great answer. I actually have, I know the story you're referring to of the, um, you know, the race, the unbeatable record. Nobody said it could be done. And then one guy crushed it. Mm-hmm. And then like eight people back to back, like same year also crushed it, you know, like, and so it's one of those things like we have these immutable ceilings of human belief of what, what can and can't be done. And then as soon as somebody proves it wrong, everybody changes their mind and all of a sudden everybody can do it and anybody can do it. So, um, and then, yeah, just getting into being unapologetically you, right. I think that's actually something I have a, a big belief is becoming more important than ever. Um, I think, you know, the rise of AI, all this chat GPT, everything, write 500 posts a minute with no input, write a, write a blog post in five seconds with one sentence, you know, it's like, it's all becoming, you know, less human, less authentic, less you, right. And everybody's over-optimizing for these things. And I think being that, you know, thorn in a rose bush kind of thing that stands out as, unique, spiky, different, you know, that's, that's, um, going to be a huge asset going, you know, in the near future as everybody starts to feel more of the same. Everybody, you know, it's just cookie cutter outlines of each other with their own little spray paint on it. Um, you know, being completely and unapologetically you, um, is, is a huge asset that very few people are really using right now. I can only think of, three or four that I know in my close circle that are really doing it really well. Um, and I think you're doing, I think you're one of those, I think you're doing it really well. You're doing a good job of like being unapologetically you, regardless of the, I have a million followers in 30 days nonsense. <laughs> you know, I think you're making connections in the right places and you're taking strides in the right ways. And, you know, more important than, a million followers is that you're being yourself. Um, and that like, you know, you're feeling fulfilled by the work you do. Right. Like, I think that's ultimately important and more important than anything. Um, so I, w- I want to, I mean, that was a great answer. I want to pivot. Um, you mentioned there are new things coming for you, uh, outside of the structured life. Can you give any teasers or information about, you know, what's next in your, in your path? 
Yes, so my incredible, beautiful, wonderful time at Structured is coming to a close. I will be, as the industry, I love this mm, word sunset. Mm -hmm. It just sounds so beautiful as you just close the, the chapter into a new one. Um, but I will be uh, sunsetting with Structured mid-April off to pursue my own business, which is, um, you know, and anyone can follow along on this journey on my LinkedIn, but it's really more... Uh, for, you know, brand owners who are women in D2C and e-commerce, um, really sticking to uh, writing email copy for them and providing those services, providing like custom solutions for them around that, being able to audit their um, welcome series or other sequences that they have and show them where they're missing out on, you know, critical uh, revenue generating opportunities because uh, women statistically have a harder time accessing funds in business. And so it's all the more important to be able to provide support to women in that area. So that's like what I've got up and coming. Um, that's going to be the service-based business, a part of what I'm doing. But I also have this just like um, just big swollen heart for the other copywriters in the community and how they just are beating at my door every day of just like, when you do something that's for other copywriters, please let me know. I want to be a part of it. I want to be involved in whatever you build um, of just, you know, whether it's starting a community or starting a podcast or something, just bridging those gaps on the internal side of things too. That's something I hope to bring together um, maybe later on, uh, in Q3 or Q4. Um, but that's, that's what I got coming up. I think. I think. Yeah. That's really exciting. I mean, one I congrats, you know, and I agree sunset's a wonderful word for, um, you know, ending something in a, in a really beautiful way. So, um, yeah, I mean, congrats on the launch. I think it's a, a really noble initiative, right. And, you know, you've got your work cut out for you. There's, um, more, you know, women led, women owned D2C businesses than there's ever been. And I think, you know, there's a big empowerment wave, you know, in that direction. And while, you know, to your point, like some of the statistics are still not in women's favor, I think there's uh, more and more uh, good people like yourself, like putting in that, that extra legwork to um, grow that part of the industry. So, you know, kudos, kudos for that one. Um, and then, you know, hearts out to the copywriter team that are losing an amazing colleague. Uh, I'm sure they're, they're bleeding, um, and they're going to miss you deeply. Um, I, I, you know, love the idea of doing more for the copywriter community and like having whatever these initiatives are, whether it's a community, whether it's a podcast, whatever that is. Um, I think copywriters, um, are one of the groups that are more commonly left out of a lot of those kind of things for, for whatever reason, I think, you know, most business owners that are not really directly in the marketing world discount copywriters a lot. Um, you know, they look at marketers in general, you know, they look at like, Oh, SEO is super important. Oh, social media marketing is super important. And then they look at copywriters as like, this small cog in that wheel that make those little things happen. And it's like, yeah, but they're not the social media marketer or like, Oh yeah, but they're not the SEO person, but like really copywriters drive 80% of the workload for 
you know, most marketing channels, you know, that rely on the written word, like it lives and dies by the copywriting team. And so having competent copywriters, good copywriters that have put years into their craft um, is the difference between a successful campaign and almost any marketing vertical. So, um, you know, anything that continues to support that community's growth. I mean, obviously you've fostered a really great team at Structured and a really great learning and enrichment environment for your copywriter team. So I think anything that you were to pull from that for the public would be um, immensely valuable. On that note, um, what are maybe, what's like, you know, a core memory that you're going to walk away from Structured with um, specifically relating to the copywriting team of, of, you know, a way that you saw a copywriter have a massive impact or, or a time that you believe that, you know, you directly helped a copywriter reach a new level in their career. This is going to be such a hilarious answer, but I felt oddly compelled one morning um, to write a rap and um, I sent it to one of the copywriters because, um, uh, and his name is uh, Mason and he is now doing his own thing. He's just an incredible um, genius. If you've, if you've ever gotten the pleasure to see his work or, or know him, but he immediately responded with another rap. And I was like, oh my gosh, these are both hilarious and creative. It's like showing off so much of the like our skill as writers and, and as somebody who can just kind of like get into the flow of something, right? And he was like, we should totally post this to the general channel of Slack that had like a hundred people in it. And I was like, oh my God, am I really about to drop a, a voice clip of me <laughs> rapping to this whole group. And we ended up doing it and we convinced the whole copy team to get involved. And they all submitted a rap clip of them. And this was within just a few hours. All of them submitted just the most incredible, like maybe 20, 30 second clip of them just like spitting bars. And the entire company was engaged like the most I think they've ever been in my history of, of structured. And it just really spoke to not only, you know, even some of them that were like messaging me on the side of like, Oh my God, I'm sweating. Should I do this? I'm so nervous. And just getting them to come out of their shell and really try something, even though it had nothing to do with <laughs> yeah. the clients. Right. It was just all about empowering them to do something completely silly but that was also really impressive. And it showed the entire company, like, this is this is the copy team. This is how creative they are. I know copywriting in itself has a bunch of other elements that don't just rely on creativity, right? But just to know that we have a team like that, it just fueled so much culture. And I know that it had definitely one of the biggest impacts um, to not only just one copywriter, but like all 10 of us who just literally decided to just get into it. And um, it was great. It was That's absolutely awesome. hilarious. I mean, that, that is a like killer story. You should carry that one forever. Um, yeah. I mean, that that's a beautiful way to bring in like the copywriter team's creativity, but, you know, equally like showing prowess at the same time because like that's not an easy 
thing to do one like to just have the courage to record something like that and do that but like two formulating copy in a way that like it actually works as a as a rap or a song of any kind is is no small feat and would take you know a lot of writers hours to do let alone let's throw this together in 30 minutes do a recording and and get it live um that's that's awesome um that's not where I thought you were going to go with that story. And so I'm, I'm very entertained. Um, wow. You got me at a loss for words on that one. I'm trying to find my next, my, my next turn. You know, I, there's all kinds of weird stuff that we did. I'm sure that was just pretty memorable, but that one for yeah. sure. Takes I mean, that game. sounds amazing. Um, let's go from this fun story let's let's get a little tactical here for a second i always like to get cover pull from my audience or sorry pull from my guests experiences and unique knowledge to try to provide something tactful for um, the audience that they can actually apply in their work so it sounds like a lot of your work is specifically tied to um, email copywriting and you know specifically d to c how do you get um, con- consumers engaged with your brand and making repeat purchases and nurturing an audience and all of those kind of things. What are some of um, your favorite tactics for not only, you know, ensuring that your clients have um, high open rates on these emails that, you know, their message is actually being consumed, um, but then, you know, what are some of your sneaky call to action tricks that, you know, get your, get, uh, better results for your clients. Oh, I almost wish I had just, I could just phone, phone a copywriter of like some of just the incredible talent that we have, uh, over at structured. Cause they probably would give such a good answer on this. And I, I, I think I can speak to it a lot as well, but zooming into just that idea of like getting into what it may like, you know, you can, use these models like ADA and problem agitate solution and do a lot of those like fundamental steps to really connect with the audience. But I think at the end of the day, it's about like relatability. And so sometimes it has to do with like, for example, if you're working on like a campaign, I think it's good as long as the brand voice is, um, you know, accepting and open to this, to be able to just add something intentional in there that has to do with not necessarily current events, but maybe can adopt to a little bit of whatever's going on in their day to day. Um, And so I'm trying to think of an example of just like, a, a really bland example, honestly, would just be like, you know, hey, before you go to bed mm-hmm. or like, you know, something that has to do with like as if you're getting a personal message from somebody that is just kind of reaching out of just like, hey, I know you're like you've got like a lot of stuff going on right now. But like and being able to to inject that personality into the subject line, because once you get them to open into the email, you've got the structure of between copy and design that it's all working its magic to be able to lead mm-hmm. you to the next stage. Right. Because at the end of the day, email is a vessel to get you from point A to point B and email is right. just the in between. Right. Um, and we are just taking what already exists on the website, on the socials, on other things, and just putting it into a format that they can say, like into a format that's in their intimate channel of email, mm-hmm. and then just moving them over. 
So I think the more that you lean into conversational and just like relatable language, being able to inject that into the subject line and bring them over. This is, of course, outside of Black Friday, Cyber Monday and all of these promotional opportunities, just getting a lot more relaxed in the tone ends up working really well, as I've seen when we do A-B testing um, to bring them over to the next stage. So um, I think that would be my my yeah, advice so comes to my head. like summarizing right like plugging into where the person is in their day in their life in their week you know what is their headspace what are they going through and the specific time that they receive that email so like in the example you gave you know before quick before you go to bed or whatever right i imagine you send that late at night you know a few hours before the average time that they're probably going to sleep or they're winding down for the night their work day's over that kind of thing um you know and then not necessarily pulling from the news but pulling from trending topics that are in the industry, right? So I think D2C, I think Shopify, I think, you know, other e-commerce platforms, right? If there's some news going on or buzz around the ecosystem, right? Like Shopify just did some massive update, yada, yada, yada. Having that sort of what's on their mind being incorporated into the email that you're sending um, or knowing, you know, the product category, if there's something uh, relevant that's going on in that in that industry and in that product space to basically touch on that in a, in a, you know, informal way so that it feels like it's a natural conversation. It's a natural continuation of the processes that they're already thinking about. It's just, you know, the brand interjecting its voice into that conversation. Yeah. Nailed absolutely. It. Awesome. <laughs> True stuff. Um, that's great. I mean, that's really good. And I think, you know, most brands could do with less um, salesy subject lines, less overly professional email copy, less of the outside of the Black Friday, Cyber Monday, less of the 15% off X and we're going to send this every week and it's the same offer every time. Nonsense. Like how do you, how do you right. really inject into there? into where the brand is at and to where the consumer is at. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. In in terms of offers, right, I, I found that that's always an interesting conversation with clients. I mean, you'll get some clients that just really have it all figured out. And they're like, yeah, we have these 15 offers and we're going to cycle between these and this one's for this month and whatever. But then you also have some that are like, I don't know, like, what do you think we should offer? What is your um, experience um, in... What are some of the best offers and variations of offers, right? Rather than maybe it's like buy this and you get this free item. There's buy one, get one. There's bundles. There's percentage off. There's fixed coupons, right? There's all these different types of offers that businesses can do when in their email campaigns. What have you found to be um, the most impactful, not only for cycling offers in the sense of, you know, keeping it fresh and keeping it unique and keeping it urgent for the reader. Um, but also just, you know, some offers simply shine above the rest, um, in, in your experience. Oh, that's, that's a good question. And I think, um, 
I, I will answer it multifold and which will kind of not answer it itself. Right. It's like, is there a best one? But what I see that works really, really well, honestly, is just like a, a flat percent of discount of something along with, if there is like a bundled deal, I think that people like I've seen from certain campaigns that have done really well, it seems that people really like to not only save money, but save money on multiple different things. And so being able to have the opportunity to, yes, it's already bundled, um, but now that it's going to be like an even more of a discount. Um, I also think there's a really interesting opportunity. I'd like to see more around this. So I I wouldn't necessarily speak to the um, effectiveness of this, but the um, combination of offers from different brands doing a collaboration with another brand and saying like, Hey, we've paired up with your favorite XYZ because, you know, they know their customer and they know that they probably shop at this place too. And being able to do combo deals like that, I think seems to gather a lot of attention um, on the conversion front. I'd like to see more um, kind of testing around that, but yeah. So flat, I think I'd I'd like to have a more creative answer of just like, here's this (laughs) revolutionary deal that you're not doing. Right. But uh, just a good old discount along with Mm -hmm. like bundling it, it just, they, they, yeah. I mean, the truth is the truth. And I I agree with you in, in the collaborative concept. I think, you know, really large brands do this really well. Um, you know, but mid, mid to SMBs still, you know, sleep on collaborations, you know, some of them either, you know, think, oh, you know, I'm small and they're small, so it's not worth it. Or, you know, they're thinking, well, I'm too small to land a collaboration with that company. But like usually just opening the conversation, companies are generally very receptive to doing cross promotions and, and, you know, bundles and and collaborations because it's mutually beneficial, you know, whether regardless of your size of company, you know, if you're bringing in revenue for them, they're open to almost like sticking their name on <laughs> almost anything that you know you run by them and they'll they'll approve it you know as long as it meets their brand guidelines but yeah and i i almost want to interject really quick because it made me think about this missed opportunity ah okay um i know i can talk about this but there is this meeting that we had with this brand called brave robot they're just the Um, most lovely brand. They have a great uh, team. And when we were working with them, there was this kid um, that ran into the room. It was one of the um, person, one of the people that worked at Brave Robot. And it was his kid who had a backwards hat on and he had like a paper towel over his head with like X's on it. And he's like DJ marshmallow. And then he was like, everything is awesome. And he was like running around the room and the dad's like mortified and like our team's losing it. Like we're thinking it's just the the best day ever. And so on, um, on an email, I actually recorded myself in the Mm. same attire. And then I wrote out an email that was just like, um, this is like the each personality of ice cream, uh, according to DJ Marshmallow or something, just so <laughs> yeah. out of pocket, like completely out there. And um, it was just the most hilarious thing to be able to relate to. And I, I say all of this because what an opportunity that could have been to actually, re- you know, reach out to DJ Marshmallow and be able to like explain how that happened. And I guarantee that would have been like, a major opportunity oh, yeah. for Brave Robot and DJ Marshmallow. 
together, right? Because I feel like they have a little bit of the same branding vibe going on. And um, anyway, it's just to say that like, you know, from from even something as silly as like your kid running in through to an email, like to a meeting and doing something like that, it could turn into, you know, a collaborative yeah. partnership in that way. And then there you've got like a ton of opportunity from there. Um, anyway, that was uh, a, a great, interesting a great interjection. Yeah. I mean, like there's so many brands that have the same audience or the same goals or similar voices, you know, or whatever. And they, they just don't, leverage that shared community aspect enough, you know, like there's so many ways that, um, you know, companies can work together to, you know, succeed together, um, in areas where they don't compete. Um, but so many like business owners and, you know, marketers, salespeople, whatever are so focused on like our brand, our customer, what we're doing, like, how do we, seem to be amazing and be the best that they just don't think in a collaborative way. And there's, there's so much opportunity left on the table for um, either f- deepening customer loyalty and like customer brand uh, uh, affiliation uh, or also just touching on audiences that they don't currently have that would believe in their brand or would love their brand that they just don't, you know, overlap in that, in that way yet. You know, I think like obvious examples are, um, you know, any, basically anywhere that you can find sponsorships happening, there's evidence of, um, audience overlap and like brand alignment, right? Like the NFL and every beer brand ever is a great example of like, you know, that those two things have a lot of alignment. Like Dr. Pepper is the soda of college football or whatever it is, you know? And like, that's, there's like a huge brand alignment there for like fans of college football and and Dr. Pepper. Right. And like, so it deepens your brand affinity for a specific um, vertical of your customer base when you align with these other brands or entities or, or whatever to do that. And I think, you know, those examples, like those beverage companies, like they do it so well, but they're massive. So like, if you know, they, of course they do it well. And like so many smaller brands could do the exact same thing um, on an ever growing scale and, yeah. and, you know, have extreme benefits. You know, there's so many direct to consumer cosmetic brands and direct to consumer, uh, you know, uh, fashion brands, direct to consumer, um, you know, whatever, like there's all these things that they're all going after the same customer base. Um, and so how can they overlap those audiences? How can they support each other? How can they build a bundle together where, Oh, you get this item from this company and you get that item from this company. We have this special offer, right? There's so many ways that those collaborations can happen. Um, that, you know, I think clients are just, or, or most, most companies are just leaving on the table. So um, it's a really interesting thing. And I think, you know, when you bring comedy into it, like this marshmallow example, it adds a whole nother level. Cause how could you hate it? Like there's no way that, you know, you could not feel the love uh, immediately between that relationship or, or appeal to that audience of either side. If you're a marshmallow fan or, or uh, you know, whatever it's, it's, uh, like an obvious thing in my mind that so many companies leave out. Um, great. So I think, you know, to, to end on a, 
on a high note, if you were to summarize your experience in copywriting, start to finish in one sentence, what would it be? Oh, the classic writer, mm-hmm. like not knowing how to finish, like to just condense something down. Um, I need yeah. 20 minutes to edit this. Um, anyone can do copywriting. You just have to give a shit. And I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but that's what that's what I needed from myself. And I'm glad I did it. That was well said. You didn't need 20 minutes of editing. You just needed 20 Thanks. seconds to think about it. That's all. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sorry. I put you on the spotlight there. Um, I, it's, it's, it, you know, oh, but that's okay. your, that's your tagline you can take out of this call and, uh, and use everywhere. You know, anybody can, anybody can do copywriting. You just have to give a shit. I like it. It's great. That's right. I mean, it's true. That's it. Right? And I mean, I mean, really, I feel like it can apply to a lot of um, creative verticals. You know, people are like, I can't draw. I can't do design. I, I can't be on camera. I can't speak eloquently. Anybody could do it. You just have to give a shit. You have to be willing to put in hours. You have to be willing to pour over every word. You have to be willing to think deeply about it, you know, for all of your waking existence, right? You know, it's got to be, there's got to be passion there. There has to be care um, and and intent behind it. So I think you nailed it. Well, Ali, this has been uh, an amazing episode. I, I appreciate you coming on. I think there's uh, so much more that we could talk about. We could probably go for hours, but um, give the people, you know, some resource. How can, how can, um, female D2C business owners reach out to you? How can they work with you? Where can people find you to follow along on your journey and see some of that out of the box content and those kinds of things? Absolutely. Um, So you can absolutely find me on LinkedIn um, at uh, Ali Rector, I guess. I don't know how to promote that specific handle, but you'll, you'll, you'll find me. I look pretty unique on there. Um, and in there, you'll see my website and that will kind of give you the A to Z of what I'm offering, uh, when it comes to email copywriting services, but on LinkedIn, you'll just see me talking about anything from, you know, yes, strategic points that will be attracting, you know, brands to what I'm doing, but also just kind of whatever's off the dome, you know, I, I keep it pretty real in that way. Um, if you're looking to get really real with me, you could follow me on TikTok where I've recently blown up talking about menstrual care, which has been a, a journey in itself. And that's at Ali Oxenfried, which is uh, an interesting way to spell that. I'll provide that to you afterwards if you want. Um, but that is pretty much it. That's that's where you'll see me hanging out awesome. on the internet. Yeah, I'm going to put the links to everything Ali just mentioned in the description under the episode. So go down there, check out, uh, follow, you know, start a conversation with Ali. Uh, amazing copywriter, amazing person in general. Um, and Ali, appreciate you coming on. This was a great time. I really appreciate you having me. This is a lot of fun. I can't believe it's been an hour. Um, so I will, I will come back. Anytime. I will, I will let, let you know. know.
All right, guys, that is it for Marketing Minds, episode 11. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you on the next one.